Good morning. So uh, this is the Common Sense Podcast, our pilot episode. Uh, uh, the person who is speaking is Timothy Crumley. I am a licensed mental health counselor here in uh, New York State. Um, and I'm also the, the owner of uh, Common Sense Mental Health. Uh, I, to my left here, I have Carlos Merced, who is our chief operations officer. Um, he's also going to help produce this podcast. And I also have with me over teleconference... Emma Cranston, licensed mental health counselor, uh, full-time uh, counselor at Common Sense. I'm also an employee. I keep forgetting I'm not an employee. That, that's yeah. correct. You are in private practice. <laughs> you are in private <laughs> practice. Um, so Common Sense Mental Health is a, it's, it's basically the overhead for a group of private providers, uh, licensed mental health counselors, social workers, uh, and we operate within our own practices and we provide uh, teletherapy throughout New York State. We also provide in-person therapy as well within the Capital Region. And all of our providers are competent in teletherapy. Uh, we specialize in video, phone, as well as text-based services. And some of our providers have their own practice that work with Common Sense. And in those practices, they may be overseeing uh, interns or um, sort of pre-licensed providers who are under limited permits uh, or something along those lines. Uh, but that is Common Sense Mental Health in a nutshell. Um, any questions, you're always welcome to reach out and ask, and we will be happy to answer. Common Sense Mental Health, affirmative and accessible online and in-person therapy. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll go ahead and get started. Um, so yeah, so we're going to start today just because this is what's currently happening around us. Uh, we're going to start with COVID-19 talking about, because um, of course, people who are listening to this haven't heard enough about it and they want to hear of course. way more about it. Um, obviously. Obviously. So um, yeah, so we're going to talk about that. And then I think we have some key themes around that. But um, just real quick, the sort of, I think, purpose of this podcast, at least right now, maybe this will shift and change over time, um, is for us to talk about not only what's impacting our clients and their mental health within the 2020s and, and just on a day-to-day -day basis, but um, also what's impacting providers and how our providers and uh, specifically mental health providers, how are we navigating today's world and today's economy and how are we coping with things? How's our mental health, you know, so focusing on kind of both, both layers of that. Um, anything that I'm missing, Emma or Carlos? I don't think so. Sounds covered. Okay. Um, just one final quick note and then we'll jump in. Um, I am practicing, or we are practicing, I think, healthy social distancing. As I mentioned, Emma is over teleconference. Um, Carlos is also my fiance, so he does happen to live with me. So for those wondering, why are you sitting right next to one of your people? Uh, that is why. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, all right. I, I'll end this awkward intro. Um, who, would like to, who would like to jump in? Who would like to start? Talking about COVID-19. Um, you can start. You had a couple topics you wanted to uh, a couple mention. themes. Yeah, I do. I do. Start with a heavy one. Okay, well, I think, I think they're, both, they're, both, they're both pretty heavy. I mean, it's like <laughs> pandemic is, is pretty heavy in general. Um, yeah. So, it, but but in all seriousness, I have a, a number of clients um, who are navigating a, just a whole host of situations and contexts around this, and um, and be and just to step back from that for a moment, the biggest thing I think for me in this has been really noting and better understanding my own privileges and just how fortunate I am in this because uh so for example right now we're doing this podcast and we're yeah. you know we're going to be talking about this um but we have the space and time to do so and mm -hmm. there are people right now for a number of reasons who don't have that um and and their life is being greatly negatively impacted um greatly negatively impacted um <laughs> by by this pandemic so 
Uh, I just want to note that, and that's that's something that I'll probably go back to as we keep talking, because that's something I've been trying to sit with and just sort of look at. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I guess it's just just to jump in with this. So I guess Emma, what what are your reactions? Where are you at with all this? Well, I'm glad that you brought up the privilege piece because that's been heavily on my mind. Um, a lot of the professional like Facebook organizations that I'm a part of, you can see so many providers kind of spiraling into panic mode because they're suddenly switching to some form of telemedicine. Um, whether it's phone sessions, video conference sessions, whatever it may be, um, and they don't have an awareness of like, what program do I use? How do I how do I let my clients know this? Um, so I've I've absolutely been sitting with the privilege of working. I mean, I work at Common Sense doing one hundred percent telehealth. I've I've been doing video sessions already. So um, as as things have progressed with this pandemic, I haven't had. I don't want to say I haven't had the stress of these changes because there's, I, I think everyone has a certain level of stress just as a result of this, but my stress has not been about transitioning to doing only online sessions. Sure. I, I got that in the bag already. Sure. Um, so there's a definite privilege there in that there's the privilege of like, my clients are used to it too. They're not like, this is one less cause of stress for them in a highly stressful time. Cause if I think of my caseload, probably a good half of them or so are having significant negative impacts, whether it's, you know, their school is switched to online and their professors don't really know how to function like that, whether it's they've lost their job, that their income is, is cut in half or whatever. Mm. Um, so it's really nice being able to offer at least one tiny slice of stability. So that's, that's a definite professional privilege there. Personally, I feel very privileged as well. I have not had the transition of getting used to working from home. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I'm used to that. Yeah. I've navigated a lot of those struggles already. Um, biggest issue is, you know, my husband's here now. And luckily I like him, so it's okay. <laughs> but, you know, it's still a change. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, you might hear his alarm going off and him like walking into walls or something as he gets out of bed because he's graceful in the morning. But, you know. <laughs> That's that's our biggest inconvenience in life, and he's working a job that has some financial stability right now. He's, you know, a, a lot of our life is actually relatively uninterrupted. So, in a sense, I'm doing pretty good, which feels mm. very weird to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned privilege because that's all of it. Yeah. Absolutely. I, and, and you mentioned with high school and college um, students specifically, and not to like switch mm-hmm. gears too far off of that, but um, yeah. that's a lot of what, so I, I guess for me, I'm, I'm hearing um, people who are either out of work or they're, yep. they're losing their jobs. Um, or it's been a big thing is with kids I work with, so uh, teenagers, um, kids in high school, there's a number of stressors for people in high school in general, and then there yeah. are, and, and then there's the seniors, right? There, there, there are the uh, the uh, the uh, class of 2020, uh, and the kind of mourning and grief they're having to navigate specifically right now, which mm-hmm. I can't even begin to imagine. Um, yeah. And then the same thing for college, right? Then college students, and I, I like how you said that. There's a lot of, um, I think, trying to adjust and and navigate online learning. Um, you know, people, you know decided to go to a college in person for a reason, you know, so like that's what they were looking for. Now they're kind of being thrust into this other format, as are the professors and the administrations, which, mm-hmm. you know, they're having to then take into account, you know, uh, 
their uh, students access to uh, technology and, you know, mm-hmm. different professors having different, you know, styles of teaching and uh, many just not, you know, maybe not being as tech savvy, which is nothing wrong with that. But but just now it's, you know, this is something it's like highlighted that. now. Right, exactly. And it's coming mm-hmm. up. And so people are trying to figure this out. And and that's, it's funny because I think one silver lining in all of this is that we are going to see more telebased services and we're going to see mm-hmm. people engage in this, whether it's through therapy or, you know, again, whether it's coming to school or people are going to utilize this format more, I'm hoping, because I do think there's a lot of potential. I do think that, um, especially for therapy, obviously it's been underutilized. It's So there's a lot of things about that, but seeing people be thrust into this and, and really in a very, like, very traumatic way, um, I do not like that part. I, I don't like how that's happening. Um, right. You know, so I, I like how you, you brought up some of those examples because, um, yeah, I think there's very specific types of mourning and grief that are happening. Um, we have colleagues who are talking about this too. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I definitely, I'm definitely glad you brought that up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It it's highlights so much of the normalcy that we miss now. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a local little deli that I love and have always loved supporting because it's convenient and on the days when i'm lazy i want to have a deli two seconds down the street Mm. um and i miss a lot i really miss being able to go and grab a cup of coffee when i don't want to make my own coffee at home or whatever you know just to get myself out of the house yeah because like i said i've i've been working from home for a while now so I've, i've had to navigate a lot of the issues that can come with working from home um so that was at least one nice way for me to get out of the house and yeah it was just a cup of coffee but I can't do that anymore and I miss it yeah so it's that that comfort of whether it be freedom normalcy it's missing for a lot of people mm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and I think it's 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 pushing people into uh, and I, I am hearing this come up a lot, and again, especially among like high school students, college students, it's pushing yeah. people into isolation. You know, it's pushing mm-hmm. people into not being able to go out anywhere, or if they're home with their families, you know, they may love their family, or or there may actually be dynamics there that actually they shouldn't be in that space. Yeah, that, that happens too. Um, but regardless of that context, it's like even if you're, you know, even if you have great dynamics with your family, um, you know, you're at this formal age. Again, this I'm thinking about college students right now. You're at this age where it's like the whole point is to move on, right? Is yeah, to, that whole know, emerging adulthood. I'm getting out, getting my wings. Uh, nope, you're going to be in, you know, your mom's living room doing your yep. online classes and she'll be checking in. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like, it's a whole other set of yeah. dynamics. And then, yeah, and then people can't go out and see others. And But I'm hearing the, the isolation piece just across the board, right? Mm-hmm. Again, I'm hearing it, high school students, college students, adults. Um, yeah. Just, yeah. I've been finding... I don't know if you've seen this with any of your sessions, but it seems to, I don't want to say a ton of my sessions or anything like that, Mm. but I am noticing a little bit more of a switch with my sessions and kind of at times being less focused on, you know, what are the things that we've been working on recently and more focused almost on fulfilling that social need because isolation is such an issue right now. Um, And in general, you know, I'm, not necessarily looking to have my sessions become a social hour or anything like that. But I noticed that I've become a little bit more relaxed on it. So instead of the initial one minute of like, Hey, how you doing? What's going on in life? You know, whatever. It's, it's lasting a lot longer because those clients who don't have anyone at home or, um, had a really full social life, very extroverted and can't do that anymore. It's like, they really do need that to thrive. And I've kind of been realizing that that's actually how, my service of therapy has been 
helping them best. Mm, yeah, yes. I think just to add to that and tell me if this fits or makes sense with what's coming up for you. And I think that, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And I, I think it's involving us to be more genuine as, mm-hmm. as uh, providers. The textbook therapist is not going to do well in yeah. this environment. Um, yeah. And that's a very broad general statement. I could be wrong in some cases, but honestly, like that's something that I've had clients tell me directly. That's something I'm hearing other providers talk about. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that, that doesn't mean that we sit down and like start listing our problems to our clients. Of course, yeah. that's not what we do. But mm-hmm. I think being able to relate and being able to know that, oh, you're, you know, this, this is from the client's perspective, you know, to, oh, my, my therapist is also human. My therapist mm-hmm. is also a little bit worried. And there's, yeah. you know, the unknown is, inf- is impacting my therapist in a certain way. Um, yeah. It tells them that they're not alone and that they're not crazy trying mm-hmm. to navigate this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like what you said about that because I think that's a big part of that. And I think that very much goes hand in hand. Yeah. Especially if they're not able to have as much of the interaction that they're used to, mm. that therapist kind of becomes their reality check. Am I overreacting? Yes. Am I underreacting? Underreacting, I'm sorry. So if my therapist can genuinely say, you know, yeah, I'm I'm sad about some of the impacts it's having in my life too, it's really normalizing. People need that. Yes. So yeah, I agree with you entirely. Yes, yes. Um, this all said too, do you have any thoughts, Carlos, as we're talking about this? Yeah, um, I want to touch on the privilege part you guys were talking about earlier. It's like, I've never been in a position in my life where I, I could feel privileged, mm. if that makes sense. I'm mm-hmm. like a minority Puerto Rican, you know, low-income family, and I've been in positions where I definitely didn't have any privilege at all. Mm. And then like this, this hit and I don't really feel worried. Mm. If that makes sense, yeah. like I remember yeah. growing up, and you know, if our if our lights went out, I was worried they wouldn't go back on. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and then now it's just like, no, we're good. You know, we've we've got food, we've got we've got everything we need. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little it's a little eye opening to to feel that for once. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, yeah, but other than that, like the the pandemic itself hasn't really affected our day-to-day, I don't think, mm. because I'm such an introverted, you know, isolated, uh, social distancing person already that I'm like, oh, this is nice. Everyone else has to do it now. And I don't have to like put up a front like, oh yeah, I, I can't make it or, you know, yeah. so it's, it doesn't really affect me, but I, I can see how it's affecting other people. Mm. And I, I just look at it and I'm like, why? Like. It's just you're in your house. Relax. Mm. You're, you're not like, you know, dying or anything. You're 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 just trying to keep everyone else from dying. Just yeah. chill out. So yeah. 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 And it's hard because I think and that that's a really good perspective, Carlos. Because I think and I can relate to the extent of, um, you know, talking about uh, identifying more as a uh, introvert and mm-hmm. wanting to like you know wanting to work from home, wanting to be more. You know, I've I've personally I've actually find I found myself to feel more, not just comfortable, but but to feel better that I'm working entirely from home right now. Um, I do miss having in-person sessions. So I like, I miss that aspect of it, but mm-hmm. I don't miss driving into work. I don't miss having to leave my apartment. I don't miss, you know, yeah, right? So then like that in of itself, it's like, but I have clients who this is, I mean, this is traumatizing on a number of levels, including that level because they need to get out. They need to have a lot of human interaction. And when they don't, like it's just it's not good it's just it's not mm-hmm. it's it's you know and that just that looks different for everybody um yeah we used to joke i mean we were joking i mean even just last year how we had no like friend group here you know yeah. like, i have mm-hmm. i have some friends where i'm from in in uh in uh, uh rochester 
you know, I have, you know, obviously the uh, providers at Common Sense. and But, I mean, we all work with each other. We're all colleagues. So there's always yeah. that other layer. And uh-huh. we would joke that we don't actually have, like, a just sort of friend group. And now it's kind of like, well, I'm, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it just doesn't like. Yeah. And, and we are very fortunate in that because that's uh-huh. just, we just happen to, that just happens to be part of just how we navigate. So, um, but again, for a lot of people, that's, that's not the case. And, um, the social support is just so, so crucial. And I liked what you said, Emma, before too, about, you know, sometimes we're the only check-in person, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, um, yeah, and I I appreciate Carlos, you sharing that. And even just in terms of your background Mm -hmm. and, um, kind of just, it sounds like for you, this feels, again, just, this feels very different than how it was growing up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm. I find myself checking in with my family a lot because I know that some of them are still in the position where they, you know, they could, you know, run out of money for food or, you know, run out yeah. of supplies or something. So I do have to check in more. And, it, and it's a little, it's a little weird not being able to like actually go and check in on them. Like they're in a different yeah. state. So like mm-hmm. if I, if I want to go to Pennsylvania to check on my mom, like I literally might get pulled over for being... Mm-hmm a New Yorker, a New York state license plate in Pennsylvania. That's mm-hmm. so weird. Mm-hmm. And then I have to explain yeah. to the police officer, oh, I'm just going to Pennsylvania to check my mom. And then they'll probably be like, um, do you really need to do that right now? Can you go exactly. back home? It's like, yes, I do. I want to see my mom. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's just weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I think some of that, I mean, I think some of that is very unique to what you're navigating with your family. At the same time, there's also a lot of universal components to that. You know, I mean, that's something that's coming up among, uh, I guess I guess I do have friends. Um, among friends I have, <laughs> uh, they don't live here, but um, <laughs> um, for, for friends I have in other places, um, I think even among our our uh, 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 provider network, I can personally relate in, in, in uh, certain ways how we all have families that we're not really able to access right now for yeah. you know, whether it's that, right, we, we want to practice, you know, good social distancing. We don't want to pass something on to our parents or, you know, whatever that is. Um, or even, but even for those reasons though, if they live out of state, um, you know, traveling, you know, between states right now, there's a lot of uncertainty and question in that. Mm-hmm. And I think that gets at some of the universal trauma in this, right? So again, I think there's, there's elements of trauma here that are very specific to certain people and in certain places and in certain contexts. And there's certain trauma that is very much shared. Um, I think that's something that is shared in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. You know, like this is going to, Right now, we're looking at April 30th, at least on the on the CDC level of things. Um, my sense is we're going to go well beyond that, but you know, but at the very least, we're looking at the next month, which I think is better than Easter. Um, not not to get mm-hmm. political, um, but uh, <laughs> but but we're looking at that, and I mean, I'm not going to be able to see my mom on her on her uh, birthday, which which is April 30th. Um, yeah, that sucks. That 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 really sucks. I was planning on being in Rochester, or at least being there around that time, and. Um, so I definitely hear you on that, Carlos, that it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And even that, Carlos, what you were mentioning about checking in on people, mm-hmm. um, that in itself can be another pressure in yeah. a sense. Because mm-hmm. um, I know, you know, my immediate family is, I have a brother, a sister, my mom and dad. I like, that's what we got. Right. Um, and my dad will check in with his brothers and their families and stuff like that. Whereas my husband has a much larger family, so he, you know, has his siblings, his parents, but then his family is just a lot, like, tighter knit. So, you know, we have a WhatsApp conversation with the entire extended family, which is fantastic and super fun, and we have these fantastic Friday night dance parties. They're great. Um, But, um, 
it can become, you know, I'm thinking particularly of my husband who's more introverted. It doesn't mean he doesn't love his family when it's like, I need a minute to just be because there is kind of that added strain. I know, you know, for example, yesterday, my weekend, um, I called my dad and it was fantastic, but we were also on the phone for literally five hours. Wow. Um, wow. Mm. Us Cranstons also have a, an ability to talk. So, <laughs> you know, not to say everyone is on the phone for five hours, but there was kind of that catching up, that checking in. He's in his 70s. He's also a deacon in a church. So mm. he's, you know, he's talking about his funeral that he's going to be performing. And it's like, well, how many people are going to be at this funeral? Like, mm, right. yeah. what are you, what are you putting yourself in, in, in ahead of essentially? Right. Um, so it, it can be a lot to worry about the people you care about without even having the ability to just go and take care of the thing. Cause I, sometimes I, I kind of fall into that like fixer role where I just want to go to my parents' house and disinfect everything ever. Cause mm-hmm. yeah. my parents are treasures. Of course I want to protect them. Yeah. Um, but I can't because by doing that, even if it's well-intentioned, I'm actually placing them at more risk. So um, just the strain of having people you care about is a lot. Not, mm. not that we would change a thing, but mm. it's, it's hard worrying about people when there's no actionable thing you can... I mean, the action you can take is staying home, but mm. you don't have a concrete action where you get the the feeling of, ah, I fixed it, or I had a positive impact. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, it's, it's interesting because hearing you, again, hearing you talk about that, it, it tells me, or reminds me of a quote, and I'm trying to remember where I saw it. It was probably somewhere on Facebook, or um, I've actually seen it a few different places, but basically mm-hmm. to make the assumption that we already have the virus, right? To make the assumption that we exactly. already have this. And it's like hearing you talk about that. It's like, that's, yeah. You know, and I think that you're, you're following what's being recommended. That's a, that's a really, mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Um, and you're right. It is about protecting our families and our parents. Um, and, you know, you know, us too, right? in the event that we don't have it, right? So it's, yes. um, so just a lot of layers to that. But yeah, it's like, you know, we want to protect. And, and this is something that I'm seeing come up more. I don't know if you're seeing it on your end. I don't know if you've, if you've seen this, Carlos. They're talking a bit more about the cruelty of this virus. Not that we weren't before, but like specifically mm-hmm. the social element where you have, um, you know, again, you can't see your family in a time when above all, you'd want to see your family, right? Like this is right. like a situation like this actually calls for social support. It calls for, you know, turning to others and for people who live alone or people who right live with their partner, but you know, their family, obviously they don't, they don't live with their family or, you know, it, it's really putting people in this position where we can't actually engage in that part of us that really makes us human. And that, yeah. that really like, um, you know, I think it's, again, it's such a, it's such a major part of it. And so people are more, are talking, I think a little bit more about that, um, mm-hmm. about just sort of how, again, how kind of cruel that is, you know, given that this virus puts us in that position, um, yeah. you know, and yeah, so that's, yeah, I, I definitely appreciate what you're saying about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This all said, um, so um, I appreciate where this conversation is going. Do we want to stay on this track or are there other things that we wanted to touch on um, with the time that we have? Um, we can go, I mean, I think podcasts generally can go from half an hour to an hour, I think. I think mm-hmm. that's like the and thing. And if it goes over, we can cut it up and stuff. So. Cut up. Maybe, maybe. I trust you guys. I've never listened to one. Very good. <laughs> or, or maybe we're just so good that we just have a podcast that's like an hour and a half. You know? I mean, I mean have you met us? Right. That's, you know. Um, we'll see. 
<laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> I was just going to say the confidence. <laughs> yeah, and, and if I didn't mention it earlier, uh, uh, Carlos will be uh, helping us produce where he'll, he'll be in charge of editing uh, this as well. So he'll have um, final say in what gets released and what doesn't, mm-hmm. um, which is probably a good thing. Um, yes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, additional aspects of this that we want to make sure that we touch on and talk about. Uh, for me, I want to make sure that we talk about like facts and like real, actual, like not proof, but just facts. Because like, there's a lot of fake, false information out there. Mm. And I see it when I go shopping for, you know, supplies and it irritates me. So... I think we should talk about that a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Keep in mind any facts or data we go over, um, this is, well, at least supposed to be, maybe we've released it sooner. Um, this is supposed to be released on Sunday, which is currently six days from now. Um, <laughs> and there was a few reasons for that. But um, right. so whatever data we go over now is going to be very much out of date yeah. by Sunday. Yep. Today is March 30th. Today's March 30th, That right. we're recording this, so... It's going to be released on the morning of April 5th. Yeah, so information might change, but for the most part, a lot of this shouldn't change. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so for the biggest one I, I see is face masks. What do you guys think? They're beneficial for us, or should you be using it when you go out shopping? All right, so I, it, and first off, and, and Emma may be feeling the same thing, um, we can talk about this a little bit. I, I do want to put out there that in terms of my licensure, I'm a licensed mental health counselor. I am not a medical doctor. Um, yeah. So we are not giving <laughs> oh, medical advice. On this, uh, yeah, we are not <laughs> giving medical advice it. on this show. Okay, good. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah no, that is not. So um, I want to be very careful with this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I know that there's been a lot of information from the medical community, though, mm-hmm. in terms of like what to use, what not to use. Um, and my mom, who's a nurse, I was actually just talking with her last night. She also handle, handles our HR stuff here for Common Sense. Um, and, um, and she's also our HIPAA compliant person. So she uh, ensures that all of our processes are HIPAA secure, that our platforms that we have uh, business association agreements with them and, and kind of just ensures everything is sound and, and tight in that way. Anyway, um, but I was talking to my mom last night and she um, was kind of making the point that like, yeah, you know, so talking about like the, the, the sort of like regular face mask, right? So not not the one that they're recommending, the N95, right? So like just just like your regular, if people do have those and they wear them out in public, um, she's like, yeah, yeah, is that like you know is that recommended? Maybe not, but she's like, but it's still better than nothing. And so she was making a point along those lines. But again, I'm not a doctor, so I want to be careful with how we talk about this, right? Um, yeah, right. From my perspective, um, so my husband and I had gone food shopping the one morning um, and we he's not a morning guy we woke up at like six thirty in the morning to go out so we could kind of <laughs> avoid crowds and everything and we I mean we were intense I was the one going and shopping he was the one waiting in the car mm. with the hand sanitizer and so you know like it was kind of like let's minimize our risk and everyone else's risk um, and just to note we went shopping at seven in the morning it was not elderly hour I called ahead and made sure I was not infringing on nice. the elderly immunocompromised hour, so nice. we were good. Well, very good. Um, yep. But from my perspective, kind of part of what you were saying, Tim, I'm not a medical provider. I, I'm, I'm not a medical person at all. So all I did that morning was essentially go to the CDC's website and find out what the most up-to-date recommendations were mm-hmm. and what I had within reach. Like I, I don't own any masks, so. Right. 
No, I didn't go with masks. I didn't own any gloves. No, no, I didn't go with any gloves. I had gone in and I left as much home as I, like I left my cell phone in the car with my husband because Mm. I didn't need something that inevitably if it was in my pocket, I would take it out and start messing with it for who knows what reason. Um, So it was kind of like I left my purse home. I just brought in the credit card I was going to swipe and my list because I'm forgetful and my Clorox wipes and that was it. So, um, honestly, I just defer to CDC for all of it. Mm, and that, yeah, if, yeah. if there's any big takeaway, that would just be what I, I would like everyone to take away. Yeah. Go check the CDC Same. website. Yeah. Tim, to what you're commenting, this isn't going to come out for six more days. Mm-hmm. A lot is probably going to change. So right. yeah. go to the CDC website. Anything we say now might be out to, out of date by the time it comes out. Right. Or right. next month if somebody's catching up on podcast episodes or whatever. Right. Absolutely. And that's the best thing that people can do is to go to the CDC website and, and they have so much information on there. But uh-huh. I feel like no one is doing that anyway. Because, <laughs> like, so with the face masks that people are using, they're used to stop you from getting other people sick. Uh-huh. So you wearing it does actually nothing to protect you. Yes, it's better than nothing. Uh-huh. But it the virus is so small that it goes right through the face mask. I wish everyone listening could see both of your faces right now. Because, <laughs> because okay. he's looking at me like, I'm trying to say we're not doctors and you're giving them advice. And I'm like, okay, but I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and, just, and just as a side note, you know, and he does. I mean, he, you, you've done not only a ton of research, but you've been going off of the CDC. You've been going off of the WHO. Yeah. You've been doing all the reading. You were He was reading into this a month ago. We yeah. were, nice. we, we were um, you know, we, we were talking about this and... I, I'll be totally frank and honest. I was somebody who very much downplayed this. Um, I had clients who were downplaying it. I was downplaying it. Um, I was not. And, and he was not. Ever. And I was like, Carlos, like, yeah, this is like a really bad flu, which I, I cringe now even thinking that I said that. Um, That's a hot topic for me, too. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, yeah. And, it, and, it, and obviously, it's, it's not now. I mean, even the president can recognize that um, as of yesterday, I think. But it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard because... Um, yeah, and, and yeah, that, that was my reaction just now was, yeah. um, I, I trust what you're saying, and I have no problem with you sharing on the podcast, but it was funny, like, we're both like, yeah, we're not going to speak on this, because we're not medical doctors. And, and I'm like, well, I'm going to talk and about it. And he's like, well, I'm going to talk about this. Uh, yes. But yeah, but no, but he's been ahead of the curve, and um, and I very, very much appreciate that, because, again, I, I didn't take it seriously enough, and, and I think you, you nailed it. You, you called. Yeah, it was, you called it. it was probably, like, week two that we were hearing about this, and I was in the store stocking up on supplies like mm-hmm. i when i got our supplies the, the shelves were stocked so i had no nice. issues getting everything we needed and just a side note carlos bought like a reasonable amount of things he did not go in and buy a ton of toilet paper no we're i not bought those people. one extra bag of toilet paper one extra bag of paper towels and that's it like, yeah mm-hmm. yeah people are getting like five six seven ten yeah. bags and it's like that's ridiculous like yeah. if you run out of paper towels i'm pretty sure there's other ways you can you know clean yourself up That's right. yes so like you're spending your money on other things mm-hmm. um yeah i focused on food and you know important things yeah mm-hmm. um we got, we got a uh, ton of canned goods or just canned goods that would canned you know, goods, give us pasta a rice mm-hmm. flour you know spices mm-hmm. I, I went in with the mindset of getting enough to last us two months. I literally probably got enough to last us five to six months. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And that's based on like rationing and stuff. So. And now, and now the whole capital region knows that that we 
have. I know where I'm heading. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, and, and and again, I remember, I remember sort of making fun of him for that. You know, being like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, this is this is good to have because it's it's always good to. I remember, I remember my 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 uh, grandmother uh, who. Uh, she was uh, alive during the Great Depression, and she was actually she was a uh, a young child during it. And I remember when Y two K hit. Um, I don't remember if you remember that Emma. We were like oh, nine, yeah. nine, or I was nine at like nine or ten years old at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, she had this this closet in her apartment, and it was very much a um, uh, a sort of like pantry kind of shelf thing, mm-hmm. and basically you could fit a lot of food in it. And she stocked that closet. Probably again, kind of similar. Probably she had you know probably two to six months worth of food in there, depending yeah. on how you rationed it or whatever. And um, and at that point, you know, we took it a little more. Sick. I remember Y two K was pretty like serious. Like it was like this mm-hmm. is going to be this thing. And of course, nothing happened. And then um, we literally like ate. Through, I think like we were still finishing up canned goods from that closet in like two thousand and two. Like it was still like you know. Um, so uh, yeah, so I think it's kind of growing up, you know, in the '90s and in the 2000s, it's like, well, that sort of thing like doesn't happen now, right? Uh-huh. Like that's not something that you know we need to worry about now. Um, so I think that's partly why this pandemic is so unprecedented. Because even though right, we have access to food and groceries, and we're going to right, like it's not. I don't think it's going to reach right. that point, but um, it's so unprecedented in that it is limiting us, and that uh-huh. is a very new concept for uh-huh. a lot of us. Um, yeah, who you know again who have even been alive for the last 60 years, right? It's, it's a very new concept. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. To that point on rationing, it's it's funny because apparently I would have done great in something like the Great Depression because I am nailing my rationing. Mm-hmm. But I've noticed that I have... So my husband and I love eggs in the morning. And sadly, we were limited to two dozen of eggs at a time. So, yeah, and I did my part. I didn't try to stealing or anything like that. I got my two dozen eggs. Uh, I have noticed that I, first of all, figured out that we would have to limit his egg consumption um, and kind of split things a little more evenly and stuff like that. But for the past couple nights, I have legitimately had dreams about either running Mm -hmm. out of eggs, which, Uh my God, privilege, or cooking our four rationed eggs for the day and somehow destroying them and being unable to eat them and like just how horrifying that was uh, and it was funny because Carlos earlier when you were talking about your privilege and how for the most part you feel like pretty secure mm-hmm. same here yeah but I'm noticing that the rationing of the food is the part where I'm like oh no yeah and I, I think it's partly um like compromising what I want essentially right. yeah uh, yes. you know I want to eat eggs all the time. Yeah. And now I can't just eat eggs all the time. The first time we went out shopping, all the eggs were sold out. So, yeah. you know, it's not that they're always going to be available. I prefer having fresh produce. And if not fresh, I prefer frozen. Mm-hmm. I don't really like canned goods anymore. Yeah. They're not as nutritionally, like, valuable. Mm-hmm. Which, right there, like, they're also the cheapest option. So I'm obviously speaking to my privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's... Uh, it's interesting to have to compromise what you want or what you prefer mm-hmm. for what is actually available. I mean, when we had gone shopping, there was no chicken. So it was like, well, we love pork now because <laughs> that's what's still on the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's really, it's an interesting process that in some ways, this is going to sound strange, in some ways I'm grateful for it, not in any way saying that I'm happy that we're in the middle of a pandemic. Mm. I'm 
just to be very clear, I am not happy with how this all is. Um, But I've noticed recently just how wasteful I was with food. And if you had asked me a month ago, Mm. I would I would have been like, no, I'm really good at, you know, using leftovers or whatever. Um, But I I wasn't. Now I am on top of everything. I have a list of when we cooked what. So we know when it comes time to have lunch. Okay, what's the oldest thing in the fridge? We're eating that first. And it's I mean, we're not throwing out anything anymore. Right. It's no longer like I want this. I'm going to have this like. Yeah, I have leftover, you know, pasta in the fridge, but I really want a steak tonight. Mm. Yeah. Like, no, you're going to finish that pasta and then have steak Mm -hmm. tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you had more to say to that, Carlos. About? I don't know. It was just the look on your face. You were like, you look like you want to like jump in when Emma was speaking. Um, But maybe I was. No, it's just really like agreeing with everything she was saying. Like, it's, Mm. it's like, um when I was, you know, restocking the other day and I needed almond milk, the only uh-huh. thing that was available was um, the store brand almond milk. And uh-huh. I'm like, it, it was that split second where I'm like, oh, I don't want to get that. And I'm like, stop being stupid. Get the freaking almond milk. <laughs> like, what, what are you, yeah. what are you note, second guessing? It just, just a side note, it tastes exactly the same. It tastes exactly the same. I read, <laughs> and then I sat there for like five minutes and read the ingredients on the, the store brand one. And there was like uh, the, the brand name one, but not the flavor I wanted. So I was reading mm-hmm. the, the um, ingredients and they were like literally the same. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. I'm just going to get the store brand one, and yeah. if I get cancer, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, well, I, I will say, I'm, I'm going to throw myself under the bus here a little bit, um, and, and there's, been a few, there's been a few instances where uh, Carlos um, and I have had some tense discussions in our kitchen where he'll look at me and say, you have to, you have to do portion control. You have to ration this. Like, very, you know, Carlos, very, I'm on your side. Yeah. Uh, which I... Which I, which I, I I do struggle with and he's like you keep eating what you want we're not like, we're, not, we're not gonna have enough and, and like this and yeah. Uh-huh. yeah which he's right he's absolutely yeah. right i had to like cut down his uh oatmeal intake a little bit yeah, yeah. like he's been yeah <laughs> oh i have <laughs> firm conversations with rob about the amount of eggs and a couple days ago he was eating from the bag of chips and i was like well rob you've eaten one-sixth of our chip reserve <laughs> great yeah yeah, yeah. um so this, this all being said, um, I, I appreciate what we're talking about here because I think it's giving some insight, um, again, into the fact that we're human, um, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if, if not, again, I think, and I like what you pointed out several times, Emma, that even just as we're having this conversation, there's elements of privilege just like all over the place. All over. <laughs> um, oh, oh, yeah. You know, just like, you know, or even just like you sharing that, Carlos, in terms of like the almond milk. Like, it's just like, yeah. this is very like... You know, like the, these are not like issues. You yeah, know, I would not, not real... be thinking about this if I mm-hmm. were like back in my old lifestyle. I guess right. how to say it. Like, this would yeah. not be a topic that we would be talking about at all. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with that. I because I have when I think back to my college days when I was living on my own and it was the stereotype eat ramen all the time kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Um, I couldn't go food shopping and just grab what was available. Right. I noticed the last time I went food shopping, it was like, well. This, this is available. Um, my husband has some some allergies and stuff, so he has to have almond milk, too. And the kind that he generally has was sold out. Yeah. And it was, like, the only thing there was the bougie kind or whatever. <laughs> and it was kind of, like, exorbitantly expensive. But, you know, it's fine. And there was no second thought of, well, maybe I should shop around and see if I can find it elsewhere. It was just kind of, like, 
yes, we need this and it costs way too much and I'm going to buy it. And you know, like my food bills recently, I'm not even thinking about like, oh, is that in budget? It's just, mm-hmm. we need this food. Yeah. And a lot of the options that we generally maybe would purchase are sold out. So we either have to go the organic one or, you know, whatever. Right. So we're getting these more expensive food bills and ultimately will it have an impact of course but it's not hugely detrimental in our lives like okay bummer we're our food budget is going up a little bit and that's unfortunate but it's also well within our means like we're we're still going to be okay we i mean we have a um you know those different kind of meal kits where they send you your fresh ingredients you cook them up um we had been doing that for a couple weeks and then once this all became more serious it was like let's keep doing it so we still get some fresh produce because like I said, we, we prefer our fresh produce. Yeah. <laughs> I miss that. Speaking privilege everywhere. So, <laughs> yeah, but to be able to afford to have those kits because they're always expensive. Even mm-hmm. if you get a deal for a minute, like they're always expensive. Yeah. So it just, I don't think I necessarily realized how far I had progressed in life in a sense. Um, Cause I think I still had that mentality of, Oh, broke college student. I still have student loans. I'm still broke. Mm-hmm. The reality is, no, we're comfortable enough. We've we live well within our means and have savings. We're like we're good, right. um, and I'm I'm very grateful for that because I know so many people are not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I very much appreciate you sharing that, Emma. Just in terms of mm-hmm. like, I feel like that's that's a pretty like intimate look, um, mm-hmm. you know. Which I, again, I think we're all doing here, but just hearing you talk about that, like that, I definitely hear that. Um, as a side note, completely unrelated, um, Emma can probably see it. I'll, I'll, you know, our, our uh, listeners can't see it, obviously. Um, we have one of our cats near <laughs> our laptop, and she very much wants to get on our laps and be involved in this, and, and we're not letting her. So I think Emma is seeing us reach out our hands every, mm-hmm. like, couple of seconds. Yeah. Um, yes. And then, yeah, and she's very persistent about it. She will she, not give up for the rest of this podcast. She won't. And she's, she's going to sit here and just kind of, like, wait. And she's very quick when she decides to do it. And then so she might, like, fly over and beat. make a mess. Good. <laughs> so. I hope so. Yeah. I'm on her side. Yep. <laughs> and just one other side note, there might be some background noise and some uh, jingling. Um, that would have been... Our husky, but she's passed out now. She went back and passed out. And then we have um, our German Shepherd Rocky, who um, moans a little bit when he's going to sleep. Um, older, older dog. Um, so you might hear a little bit of that as well. Yeah. Um, so cute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, so I definitely appreciate you sharing that, Emma. And yeah, um, I think, yeah, it, it's, it, again, it's, it's definitely highlighting a lot of things and I, I see a mixture of things coming out of this. You know, I think when the pandemic, and this is something I've been talking a little bit with clients about or clients that are at a point where I think this is applicable to them and, and it's, it's mm-hmm. helpful. Um, in some cases it's definitely not where, um, right. talking about even what's going to happen after, you know, like what is like, what's the transition going back and be like, and understandably we're not really you know, again, aside from um, certain people in government wanting this to end sooner than later, um, which is, you know, but aside from that, uh, talking about what is this process going to be? How are we going to readjust to a non-pandemic world? Um, And because I think we're so far off from that in a lot of ways, it makes sense why we're not talking about it. And I'm not saying that we even should or should be our main focus, but it is going to be an aspect of this. And I think it's going to come with its own traumas and its own dynamics. And um, it's going to be hard for a lot of people to adjust back. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I say back, that's the thing too. I, I, I'm, 
I'm hearing people talk about it in those terms, but I think it's just going to be different. You know, it's like some things might kind of go back to what they were, but there's going to be some yeah. things I think that, that won't and how we operate even within, you know, just as a you know society and how we work and, and go about our lives. There are going to be changes from this that I think are probably going to stick and some that won't. Mm-hmm. Um, one of which, not to keep going off in this branch, but one of which I've had a number of clients bring up, they're worried about the, the lack of physical intimacy and the lack of hugging that okay. may be uh, present after this is over, which again is something that, you know, I kind of come into that with, oh, well, but we're social creatures and that'll be fine, uh-huh. you know, but it's a valid concern and question. And we don't really know until we're there what that's actually going to look like. Um, so I'm, just, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that and, and kind of just, again, even that transition back overall, uh, what was sort of. But it's interesting because honestly, that lack of hugging never even occurred to me. So as you're saying that, it was just kind of like, oh, wow, potentially that could happen. Or mm-hmm. people could at least be very hesitant at first. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something that I've been thinking about as things transition back to normal. I mean, I've never been through anything like this in my life, of course. Mm-hmm. A lot of us have not. Um, and I, I'm just kind of wondering, like, what will the day be like when it's, what, there's suddenly an announcement? Like, okay, we're good now. Pandemic over. <laughs> Everyone return to normal. And it's kind of like, well, what's the marker for that? Yeah. Because yeah. it, like, I, I, it sounds a little silly to say, okay, the end. Um, I expect that's not exactly how it will go. But, again, I've never been through this before. Maybe yeah. that's exactly what it looks like. Um, mm. I have no idea, I guess is the short answer. I have no idea what it's going to look like then. I think like people are going to kind of be scarred a little bit and it's going to be like, mm-hmm. we'll hear, okay, it's, it's all good. You know, you, you can go back out and do normal things, but in the back of everyone's mind is going to be like, can I really trust that? Like, yeah, I'll stay inside for an extra week and, and see yeah. how it mm-hmm. goes. Or mm-hmm. I'll slowly start to tra- transition back into my normal day to day. Or okay. if I am at work, I won't shake someone's hand. You know, I'll still keep my distance. So I feel like it's just gonna it's gonna drag on for a lot of people, and it's it's gonna it's gonna be like retraining yourself almost to like talk again. Yeah, yeah. You 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 have to get back. Yeah. It's it's not it's not gonna be the same anymore. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. we've never gone through this. Mm. When I think of myself with this ending, what you just said, Carlos, is exactly it. I feel like. I'm not going to go out immediately. Like, Mm -hmm. I just kind of feel like I'm going to be a little reserved. Um, And I don't know if that's out of fear. Like, but what if it spikes back up again? Or, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't even know. Um, But my just automatic reaction is I'm going to hang back for a minute. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I really actually like the way you described all of that. So, (laughs) well done. Um, Yeah. And I want to say, because, like, right before all of this started to happen, I was in my mind, I was like, mm. I need to start going out more. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm getting too comfortable working from home. Um, when we get this new office in Clifton Park, I'm going to go in every morning or, you know, once or twice a week and, and get, get out there and get some air. And then, boom, the pandemic happens. And the anxiety part of me, like, my, my anxiety kicked in and I was like, what does that mean? Why, why is this happening yep. now? When I finally decide to like go out in the world, this happens. I, I shouldn't go out in the world. So it's like, mm. you know, full disclosure, like I've, I have anxiety. So it's like, mm-hmm. 
that that was it was yeah it was bothering me for a little bit because it's like my mind goes and goes and goes and goes and it's like yep. it wasn't it wasn't fun but at the same time it's like I've kind of been doing this my entire life mm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like this mm. is all happening but I'm okay with it mm. you know because I I've this how I lived every day I was always anxious yeah. And now the rest of the world is kind of living how I live. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I'm not saying I'm glad everyone's seeing that, but it's kind of like, I'm a little bit glad that everyone's seeing that, you know, because people give so much stigma for people with anxiety or depression. Mm-hmm. And now everyone is forced to feel it. Mm-hmm. So I think moving on, this might be actually beneficial to your line of work mm-hmm. where It'll be less of a, um, I can't think of the word, but it won't, yeah, it'll be like less stigma? of a stigma for, for people to be mm. going to their therapist. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, that's a really great perspective. Going off of that, um, yeah, my, my hope is that it, it will give a little bit of insight. Um, I think it's like, I think that that is part of the stigma, right? When people don't understand anxiety or depression or mental health in general, it's like, well, why don't you just go exercise? Well, why, why don't you just go, go outside? If you go outside more, that, that will, that will, yeah. yeah. Why are you anxious right now? What, what's going on? What, wh- why, why is this happening for you right now? I don't know why this is happening for me right now. I'm just anxious right now and I can't explain it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. And, and in full disclosure in this too, and again, just, just to kind of show, you know, again, even as therapists, we, we struggle with this. Um, we've caught, we've had to catch this within our relationship I've, I've had to catch myself and carlos has, has caught me with this where he'll talk about feeling anxious and my immediate question is why and i would never ask a client well why but when it's my partner i i have to know why we have we have to fix it and it's yep. like and again it's like it's no different and like you said yep. like it's like right if you knew why you would have been doing whatever that thing is yeah. um okay. and nine times out of ten right we don't know why um but my hope is that this will kind of highlight some of that because you know, we're in this position where we just don't have a choice. And with yeah. someone navigating anxiety or someone someone navigating depression to the extent that they're not able to leave their house, they don't have a choice in that matter. This is not a choice that they're making. Um, they're not adding to this. This is a thing that they are facing in that. Um, yeah. Just like we're facing this pandemic and the pandemic is forcing us in. Um, that's how depression operates. That's how anxiety operates. Um, so yeah, so that's, I really appreciate you, you, you sharing that. Um, and it's interesting too, because just to add, to that and i definitely hear both your thoughts on this i'm hearing a lot of providers talk about and it's coming up with a number of my clients people navigating anxiety now granted not all cases and you know i think there's contextual factors here but definitely different even different types of anxiety these individuals seem to be coping as well if not better than those without anxiety um and i had one client put it to me quite literally and actually had i had another provider report that had they had a client say this too um she, uh, she goes i've been i've been preparing for this for years yeah and i was like wow yeah. like that yeah like, but that makes so much sense like uh-huh. you know like this yeah yeah it, it, no that's exactly my thought like you know i i used to before you know we met i would be 24 7 in my room gaming uh-huh. like just like self-isolated and never going out like so like it's 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 definitely not new for me mm. and it definitely feels like i have been preparing for this my entire life mm-hmm. so like right now i'm okay mm. it, it's i'm not really affected because i have i have tim i have my pets we have mm-hmm. our home and that's all i need mm. that's all i've ever needed <laughs> mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm good 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. I've seen a lot of the same trends just in my caseload. A lot of people who have a history of anxiety just kind of saying like, oh yeah, this, the pandemic is also happening, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think, I think that that's kind of a, anecdotally, I'm, I'm definitely not basing this on legitimate scientific research or anything, but just anecdotally, um, I'll see a lot of posts about it on Facebook. So many people seem to have made that connection yeah. um, just with their own experience. And that's not to say that everyone has. I can think of some people where this has, like, absolutely increased their anxiety that they already had. So I, I you know, not everyone is coping perfectly or anything like that. Right. But, um, yeah, it seems like a lot of people are noticing that same trend. Mm, yeah. Which is interesting. I, I think that it, you know, the people who have experience with anxiety in a sense, are, like, leading the, in quotes, rest of us through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, like, they're the role models now, instead of touching on that stigma, Carlos, mm-hmm. instead of being, like, again, in quotes, none of this is my belief, but, like, the weak link or anything like that, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. now they're role modeling for everyone. Yeah, yeah. yes. Well, that's, and I think it, and it speaks to to like how we how we diagnose, right? Not to what was that individual's name? Do you remember Emma? That that guy? Um, I don't know if he was a doctor or if he was a social worker, but there was this individual we ta- we learned about him in graduate school, like several different mm. times, who was very anti DSM, and he had like he had a lot of good points. But um, Thomas something, I'm like blanking on, on the person's name. I can't remember. I'm totally blanking on it. And just someone listening probably going, "No, it's so and so." I can't remember who it was, but but basically, like there was, there's just been this movement, right, of like really kind of challenging, just diagnosing in general, like just diagnosing at all. And I definitely subscribe to some of that. Um, I you know really I, I find diagnosing helpful for two things: one, insurance billing, and two, um, you know, if the client really needs that for us to better understand what is happening for them. Um, and there've been many cases where that's been the case, and having that understanding is really important. Other cases, it's no. This is just another label, and it's just not. And it's interesting because, like with this, I think it kind of gets at some of that. It's like, well, who's the you know, like what are we diagnosing here, right? Because yeah. like, you know, if you if you engage in things that we would maybe diagnose as being sort of obsessive compulsive right now in terms of your hand washing, yes. uh, no, that's actually that means you're doing it right, and like mm-hmm. that is you know, so it kind of speaks to the context and what we as a society, what value we as a society put on these things versus yeah. like what is the actual issue here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and again, I'm not, and I'm not totally saying diagnosing. I can't find my words. I'm not saying that diagnosing shouldn't happen because, again, there's a lot of I think important elements of that and, and places for that. But um, yeah, it, it really challenges some of that. And I think yeah. what you're saying, what you're both saying with that, I think really, really uh, it, uh, gets at that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. point. Yeah. So I want to note our time. I'm not saying we should or shouldn't end right now, but we're at about 54 minutes. All right, so just to pick up um, from where we left off in our last, I was gonna say session, in our in our last <laughs> in our in our last our last uh, episode. I mean, it's basically a session. Uh, I, I guess like it sometimes. Yeah, right. Uh, but uh, yeah, so just to pick up from there, uh, we were talking about uh, how we are navigating that sort of call to action, right? Where we, at least in our state, we can't speak to other states, but within New York, um, I think New York and quite not understandably, but also, um, you know, I think in a really cool way is, is calling upon the, the, you know, the 
uh, medical community to step up and to volunteer their time. And so uh, it makes total sense. But then for those of us who are really struggling already with our balance in this and trying to maintain our responsibilities, how to navigate. And I liked what you said before, Emma, you know, how are we navigating the guilt that kind of comes uh -huh. with that? And there is a sort of like, well, should I really be? Um, so yeah. Uh, and, and Emma, did you have further thoughts on that? From before. Um, I, I think it's really important to bring it to light um, because I know just speaking from my personal experience, I had talked to my husband about it a lot. Like mm. each time I was getting another one of those emails or uh, seeing people on Facebook kind of like offering some free services and assistance to others. Um, I had some, the Facebook post I had some like ethical reactions to, um, and I just, ethics are important to me because I kind of like what I do and I kind of don't want to lose my license. So, uh, and I know in many ways, like this isn't the time to only be thinking ethics. I know in many ways, New York state has like even relaxed some of the HIPAA compliance for now as people transition to doing telehealth more. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'd had some reactions just to the Facebook post end of it. But then I also, with this call to action through the state to you know, help out at the hotline and stuff like that. I just felt I couldn't do it. Um, not, not that I'm not capable of providing free services or telesessions to people in need. Not so much that, but just for where I'm at. And again, I think I'm doing pretty well in the context of this pandemic. Mm. Uh, but I'm doing pretty well because of those boundaries. Mm. I'm focusing on my caseload. And that is not to say that I'm not a hundred times more understanding with my caseload. You know, I'm, I'm being more flexible. If people aren't canceling in time because they suddenly got called into work because they're an essential employee and somebody they work with got diagnosed with coronavirus and now they need to cover the shift. Yeah. I'm not charging my client that no show fee. Like, <laughs> right, right. I'm, I'm being much more relaxed. Um, but the reality is with my caseload, self-pay clients may not be able to pay their normal rate. And I'm, I'm not going to abandon somebody because, again, ethics are important to me. Yep. So yep. I'm going to be doing more pro bono reduced fee sessions. Um, so I feel like I'm pouring my energy into my existing caseload and building my caseload. So, you know, I'm still opening to new clients and, and trying to help as many people as I can. For those interested in, for those who are listening, Emma is, does have open slots. Not to, not to plug that, but... Um, well, I will be plugging everybody at the end of this podcast. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> um, wow. uh, I would never do it myself. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm taking on new clients. I'm, I will take on new clients with the understanding that maybe their rate is going to be a little lower right now and we'll have to reassess in a few months. And, and that's all fine for me. But in order to continue being the most ethical, competent counselor that I can be for my caseload... I've kind of recognized that the balance I've been finding involves not kind of opening myself up to the New York State hotline. And mm. I had a lot of guilt. Like, I felt terrible about that. Yeah. Um, and again, I had to go through it with my husband a lot. He was super supportive and very like, this is your decision and I'll stand by you either way kind of a thing. But it still just honestly felt shitty. Um, and it wasn't until I finally started talking, like Tim, I had talked with you about it in mm -hmm. a supervision. Mm -hmm. um, it finally started to become normalized the more I talked about it with other providers who also decided to not, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But I realized that the people who decided not to, pretty much it was always because they needed their own boundaries and balance for themselves. Mm. Uh, But no one was really talking about it. Mm. The people who were offering these free services, understandably, were were proud of themselves. I'm proud of them. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, But the people who weren't, I had one friend on Facebook who had posted something saying, you know, I am dealing with a lot of guilt for not doing it. Mm. Um, so I kind of wanted to make sure we honored that essentially mm. like the people who can't, that's okay. We're mm. taught so often in grad school in our supervision in our consultation with our peers. Um, we're told so often, like you can't pour from an empty cup kind of a thing. Mm. Um, but I don't think we've ever quite had just on a larger scale, so not individually, mm. but on a larger scale, I don't think this profession has had such an intense call to action mm. just in the few short years that I've been a counselor. Mm. Um, so I, I kind of want to just honor the people who are doing their best every day with the caseload that they have, navigating potentially a bunch of transitions mm. um, and staying as okay as I can at the end of the day. Absolutely. And when you say that, Emma, and talk about that, I think, you know, going back to the ethical aspect of this, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, for those who are able to fit this in, right, with the schedule or, or fit this in with, with, uh, with what they're doing, um, that's fantastic. Like, that's, that's awesome. And ultimately, I think in making that decision, part of what we have to weigh is putting our clients first. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, we, we, you know, we basically sign contracts with them, right? We have them sign informed yeah. consents. Uh, we, we had them sign informed consents first and we did that prior to a pandemic and this being, you know, something that was being needed and, and ultimately we owe them first. Um, Uh so I really like how you put that because, and that's the thing too, with, with the hotline is that there, there is definitely a commitment to that, right? It's, you're, you're having to dedicate several hours, which makes sense. And and, and it's like, it seems very fitting with the format that's needed. Um, Uh but it's all the more important that you are at a place where you can really take that on. And thankfully there's a lot of providers who can, right? A lot of Uh providers who are able to do that. I like too, how New York state is, is sort of lax or granted easy for me to say as a current licensed provider, if I were retired, I don't know how I would feel about this. And I'm sure there's pros and cons, but you know, laxing people who are retired or laxing people whose licenses expire, yep. but you know, they have clean records or whatever. Um, and they, you know, just went into a different profession or whatever, that these are individuals who can come back and okay. do some of this work. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense because it's like, you know, yeah, these are people who maybe don't have the most updated CE credits, but mm-hmm. they have enough knowledge where, yeah, they can, they have the skills. They have the skills. They can jump in with this. Um, mm-hmm. But I've been talking to, to clients of mine and several clients I have who are in the medical community or they're, they're therapists like us. And um, yeah, there's lots of pros and cons. I, I, have, I, have, I have one provider who was talking about just being really concerned about their own competence, depending on what environment they may be pulled into based on their exactly. specialty. It's like, yeah, I technically had this training several years ago. And now yeah. I might be put in a place where not only – and granted, they were kind of jumping ahead – but valid concern of right now we're volunteering for this. If it gets to a point where it's sort of forced to do this, right? Which I, I don't even know what that would look like, but you know, that concern of, well, what if I'm like, you know, told, you know, I need to go into this environment and do this. Um, I'm really not, I'm not up to speed. Like I really can't yeah. operate in that environment or I can, but I'm going to be prone to error. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, and just like there, there being concerns about that. And mm-hmm. um, that's a, that's a, that's a valid concern. I think with, absolutely. Right. And I think with us talking about the crisis hotline, 
Um, there's a little bit of that because like I've never worked for a crisis center. You know what I mean? Now, granted, I've worked with clients in crisis, so I think you and I would probably do fine. Um, but yeah. like I, you know, I, I haven't been in that setting before. But it is one of those things where I think the states then having to kind of weigh that out of like, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. ideally we would like for you to have X, Y, and Z training before doing this. But if we're in a, you know, in a state of emergency and we don't, we have a shortage of providers and people need care and help, it is better than nothing. So on that yeah. level, you know, if I were a government administrator of some sort, I totally get where that you know, where these Absolutely. policies are coming from, because it's like, they're having to weigh it out on the, on the statewide scale, right? Whereas mm-hmm. you and I, our focus is more on the individual, right? It's, it's on exactly. our clients. It's on our clients. It's, yep. um, so it's hard. It's, it's hard to kind of balance all that out. But I like, again, that's my very long winded way of saying, I, I appreciate what you're saying with that because, um, you know, it, it really is, you know, we really do need to put our, our, uh, caseloads first and our clients first. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it is okay if that, I think, equates to what we're talking about. Because, again, there's going to be people who are going to be able to do it and, and people who are not. You know? Yeah. And, and for the people you know. who are able to do it, fantastic. You know, like, I, I definitely don't want anyone listening to think that I'm not in favor of it. I think mm-hmm. it is so fantastic that New York mm-hmm. State has a mental health hotline throughout all of this because it is so necessary. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I just can't be a part of it. Yeah. And that's okay. Um, I, I think as counselors, we definitely need to recognize our limitations and kind of, I'm going to call it a savior complex, but I don't think that quite fits, but kind of like recognize when am I just taking on this like savior complex of like, I am the one who has to help all of the people. Yes. Yes. I'm not, I will help some people and that's it. Yes. Yes. I, I, I almost said preach, but yes, uh, <laughs> no, but seriously, but no, but ser- and, and I say that because I think that is part of what happens. Uh, I don't want to get into this topic too much because it will definitely be in an upcoming episode talking about not just imposter syndrome, but talking about um, how providers navigate some of these dynamics. And some of it I think is generational. Some of it is based on cultural and societal factors. There's a lot of different layers here, but I think that um, that is part of what comes up for therapists. And I think Maybe, and again, I'm, I'm generalizing, and I, I, if I should be called on on this, I please someone do so. Um, I, I notice it more so among younger counselors and among, I think, those of us who have been in the field, you know, and I think I can speak for both of us within the last five or mm-hmm. ten years, um, yeah. where we kind of take on, you know, some of these responsibilities. And I think part of it maybe have, it may have to do with, you know, work settings we've been in. It has to do with various experiences we've had. But we take on this sort of complex that, no, it's up to us to, to, yeah. to fix this. And yep. that is so not only toxic, but it's very dysfunctional. It's very unrealistic. And if we operate off of that too much, it is harmful to our clients. Um, 100%. Because, right? Because then we have clients who understandably are going to be like, no, like, bro, I just need you to like sit with me and just listen yep. to what I have to say. I don't yeah. need you to like come in. And, and it's, it's, I think there's a lot of power. There's a lot of privilege, a lot of things that come into that when we take on that role of, of that sort of savior, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, so I think that in this, yeah, I, and I can go off on that, but um, so I appreciate you bringing that up because I think this kind of situation, and again, I, I, I don't think this is at all on the state or on anyone else aside from it's just a mm-hmm. dynamic that exists. I think this is part of what happens in a situation like this is that people fall into that kind of trap and they're sort of like, well, <laughs> it's, you know, no, it's, and this is, I guess, partly how I rationalized this when we received that email, I didn't know who else had received it on their own or who, so I forward that information from, from the state in terms of the hotline to all of our providers, which right now we mm-hmm. have 14 of them who are uh, working with us. Um, and I forward it to all of our providers and 
I felt really good about that because, okay, well, this is, you know, I'm getting that more exposure. Yeah. There were people who I think did sign up or they're working on signing up. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, and that's, that's, I think that's the point, right? Like we're, we're sharing that. I just want to put a side note too. I, Carlos, you probably were already going to plug this later on. Um, but uh, in terms of um, reaching out to me, anyone listening to this who is a provider, they're welcome to reach out to me even over email, um, which we'll share at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can reach out to me and I'll share the information with you if you haven't received it. I think everyone who's licensed has because I think they just go off their listservs, is, is my guess. I think the Office of Professions probably just goes off of a large listserv they have. Um, uh-huh. But I'd be happy to share that info because, yeah, I want to get it out there. I want people to who can do this to you know take that on. But we can't save everybody. We can't take yeah. everything on. Um, yeah, I, I really like what you said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's something where, you know, if a few weeks down the road, a month down the road, depending on how long this lasts, because I'm still trying to go with the naive optimism that, like, mm. it's not going to be forever. And that's only because mm. I have some travel plans that I don't want to cancel. So just acknowledging that. <laughs> Total side note uh, for that. When, when are those plans? When are, when are you supposed to be traveling? Oh, Tim. Supposed to be in May. Oh, is it May you're going? May for I was gonna go to Vegas in May, oh. and I was gonna go to London in August. It seems funny because like, and I'm and I'm all like whatever because I had plans to travel to London in May, and uh-huh. I actually am still trying to get those flights. Um, obviously, I'm not going. I'm just, still trying to get those flights um, switched to another date. Um, Which airlines are doing? They're they're like giving you a voucher yes. to like mm-hmm. up to a year or something. Yeah, to mm-hmm. reschedule the the flight. So that's yeah. nice, and hopefully they'll extend that if this gets extended as well. Yeah, sure I think will. so. Yeah, I'm just trying to pretend it's not going to happen so I can do the things I've been looking forward to. But again, that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. with that whole privilege and like if that's my my one big thing that I'm grieving, it's valid. Of course, it's totally mm-hmm. valid, but. It's also, if I look bigger picture, it's, it's not grieving the loss of my job. It's not grieving the loss of my income or, yes. you know, right. the loss of a parent that I don't get to say goodbye to because they're quarantined or, you know, anything like that. So yes. I, in the scheme of life, it's not, I can reschedule a trip right. <laughs> or two if needed. So it's fine. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But, you know, if in the future things change, maybe I, my self-care is just so on point that I'm looking for other ways to give back or something. Mm. Um, I'm also not against reconsidering the helpline or something like that. Um, I already know I'm not going to do the Facebook offer for help. And and that just for me comes down to the ethics of like, I have a private Facebook. So the only Mm. people saying it are my friends and I have a personal relationship with them. And uh, that's just a dual relationship. And that's just going to blow up in my face. So Mm. Mm. yeah, I have my own reactions there. And that's not to say that that applies for everybody. So I'm, I'm, no judgment either way, totally. kind of a thing. Totally. Uh, but just for me, not comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, but as far as the helpline goes, in the future, I may reconsider it. So I'm, I'm definitely not saying it's a, a static decision. You have to make that decision and then stick to it forever. Um, but for me right now, as I'm also adjusting to the new normal that we're this pandemic normal, um, mm. it's just not something I can do. I just kind of have to focus on my own being okay. Mm. Um, And again, like you were saying, Tim, prioritizing my caseload. Mm. Uh, So right now, they're the ones getting my attention. My husband is getting my attention. My family is getting my attention. I'm getting my attention. Mm. Obviously, my cat is getting my attention Mm because, of course. Um, (laughs) 
And then after all of that has filtered through and I've adjusted to all of that, then I can reconsider. Mm. Can I also do a helpline? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think it's a fantastic offering, but I also think it's okay if it's something that you can't do. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep doing this. I keep thinking, do you want to add something, Carlos? You keep... I, I did want to add something, but oh, I was letting you guys oh, finish. I was actually correct on that yeah. this time. Nice. Yeah. Um, well, it kind of goes off of um, what Emma mentioned about the HIPAA being like loosened a little bit. Because mm. I know mm-hmm. when we, when I first heard that, at least I was like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I don't know if that's a good idea right now. Maybe you should kind of keep that a little tightened. And but okay, that's just my thoughts. Mm. But then I was also thinking I wanted to know what your guys's reaction was to. Um, medical students being like senior medical student, like last year medical students, they graduated them early mm. so they can help in hospitals. Oh, so wow. if they did that for mental health counselors, would that be like if you were in that position as a student, would you mm. even want to be graduated early and you know get a caseload immediately? Mm. You know, <laughs> like would that be, Gosh. yeah. Like, I'm just I was laughing. thinking of me in grad school, and I'm like, oh, no, no. yeah. Well, I'm laughing because I, I, I mean, and, and Emma, you were in this position. We had the same internship. I had an internship where I had, cl- which granted was a really good thing. I, I think it was yeah. incredibly beneficial. I had, I had clients freaking. I was, I had, I had a year left. We were of, hired before we graduated. Yeah, yeah. like you know, like which is like it, it was good, um, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, so I'm kind of laughing at that because that kind of already happens. But I hear what you're saying. If they mm-hmm. said, you know, because mm-hmm. like in, in, in Emma, we we went to the same program through SUNY. We went to the the yep. the uh, mental health counseling program through SUNY. Which, if anyone's looking for a program to go into, I would highly recommend. They are a fantastic Absolutely. program. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's and it's it's a uh, accelerated program. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the big choice. Um, total side note and plug. Um, if mm-hmm. you're having to choose SUNY Albany, SUNY mm-hmm. Albany, it's it um you you work through the summers, right? So you're working from May of of the one year and then you're done December of the following year. So it's quick, um, but it's a lot at once. Anyway, um, great program. I'm imagining if in that accelerated program, they said, you know, yeah, you're going to get your degree in June. Um, Uh Granted, I was done. I remember, um, (laughs) again, total side note. I remember at the end of uh, my program, I don't know where you were at. Then this was not at all personal to SUNY. This was just because I had been in school my entire life up to that point. Um, I was done. Like, I wanted to be done. Oh, I wanted yeah. to practice. I felt like I could practice. I felt like, you know, I was done. And again, part of that, I'll credit our internship because I felt like mm-hmm. they, you know, I, I had learned a lot there. But I was done. I remember st- um, standing in our living room. Carlos and I had moved in together probably like six months prior to this. And like yelling, like, I'm so done with this. I want out. And again, it wasn't SUNY's fault. It was just like, I was just over. I was done. I was done with the mm-hmm. academic work. I was done with just having to. And so on the one hand, I don't know. I, I think I would have taken it on and I would have been, I think we would have been fine. Yeah. Um, and does that, you know, what impact does that really have in someone's competence? And, and I think it does. I mean, there are some really important classes in grad school um, mm-hmm. that like if, if you don't have, yeah, that's going to impact how you're going to treat clients, especially someone who is, again, coming from a place of privilege and power, right? Yep. That, that yep. you know, because, and again, that this in of itself speaks to a lot of privilege. That can be the first time someone is actually really exposed to, oh, wait, not everyone has the same experience that I do. Oh, my God. Like, yep. that's a big, um, yeah. That's eye-opening. 
that's eye-opening, right? And so um, there's a lot of things that we learned in graduate school that, yeah, I'd be concerned about that we've missed out. But at the same time, right, in the middle of a pandemic, if there's people who are navigating trauma all over the place and practices and hospitals are being overwhelmed with people looking for uh-huh. mental health services, and we needed to do that, um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's, and again, that goes back to that difference of sort of the state administrative level versus, you know, would I love that? I'd probably have mixed feelings about it. I'd probably have concerns. Yeah. But if I were in, in working for the state right now, having to make that kind of decision, you know, it probably, I that call. I, right, and it's probably the cost benefit analysis, right? It's like, uh-huh. you know, no, it, it, it will, it will pan out for it to be, to be better. It's just, it's hard. It, it's everything. And I, yeah. something that's coming up for me, I have like, I have some clients in college and some of them are in college to become a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I'm hearing, and again, I, I'm sure this depends college by college, but a lot of them are no longer going to their internships anyway. So, mm, yeah. you know, maybe they're still working from home. That's a very good point. they're not having that face-to-face client contact. So they're kind of working from home anyway. So they're already being given that, like that independence. Because mm. I imagine, you know, their supervision isn't, they're not going in for supervision either. So that's, through tell like there's just less of a possibility for oversight um so in many ways like they're not going to classes they're kind of being treated at this point again i'm not saying this is for everyone but from what i've been seeing they're already being treated like you or i would be tim yeah um in a sense if they're not going to their internships and they're going to be graduating come may anyway again they're still really important classes in grad school but Mm. I, I actually could see it and mm. not my, cause honestly my initial reaction was like appalled. Oh my gosh, no, we all just have the <laughs> correct education. Yeah. But as I sit with it, it's kind of like, well, that may be what happens yeah. these days, yeah. you know? And, and if I think of some of the individuals, they're competent from mm. what I can say. I'm not their supervisor, obviously, but yeah. I mean, that, that, that speaks to just the, and that was a thought I had too, where it's like, and, and I actually had a supervisor tell me this once, and I think there's some truth to it. It's not an end all be all, but there is this element where it's like, either you get some of this or you don't kind of a thing. And I want to be careful with that because there's also a lot of learning that happens. And I would mm-hmm. not, you know, unless I saw someone practicing or, or, you know, was in a position to, you know, like I, I would not make that judgment, but, um, yeah, that, that I think there are elements here where it's like as a person, right? Do you, ex, you know, do you engage in empathy? Do you experience empathy? Mm-hmm. Um, do, exactly. you have, do you have boundaries, right? Do you, you know, do you understand that, you know, when you're in a, when you're in a professional relationship, not to, I guess, toot my own horn, but personally for me, I learned a lot in my ethics class. However, I went into that oh, yeah. having already had, I think, eight years of therapy at that point, uh-huh. And I still see the same, which I don't mind self-disclosing. I've seen the same therapist, same therapist for the last 11, 12 years, um, Great, great provider out in uh, Rochester. We do tele, and um, yeah, and for me, like I, I, I just I grew up with that, right? I've been seeing him since high school, so yep. I understood, you know, what a therapist should and shouldn't do. And he has really good boundaries. He's very, you know, he's very much on his game. Um, he holds that therapeutic frame, and so mm-hmm. I understand what that means from that point of view. Um, so other people come in with that same experience. They've had therapy already. They, you know, their parents might be, you know, they 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 have a certain environment where they've seen some of that. Other people have yeah. no idea, and they come in and they have their own total different version of that, which may or may not align with what's competent. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where again, graduate school is very important because that helps people realign that. Um, yeah. But um, but yeah, so I, I agree with you. I think 
to some degree, if this fits with what you're saying, I think there is some of this that we just sort of come in with and either uh-huh. we have some of those skills coming in with it or we don't. And right, is four months of graduate school gonna change that? And that's a really good question. Right. That's a very, very good question. Um, mm-hmm. I can't answer it, but that's a very good question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know that they were graduating doctors early. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to limit my uh, interaction with <laughs> news and media and stuff like that. Cause I, I learned, Yeah. I can't just do it all day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, I, I have to <laughs> i just can't I, I i have to know like what's going on 24 7 he'll be working he'll be working in the office and he'll um you know be doing you know stuff for stuff for uh, common sense and he'll have you know governor como on the one he has like three monitors so i have like governor como on the one screen and he has you know what our work on the other and and you know yeah. he's just doing work while he's listening multitasking master wow yeah it, it's it's a curse yeah. <laughs> yeah um with that being said uh do you guys want to hit one more quick topic before we wrap it up? Yeah. Uh, sure. Did you have one in mind? I didn't have one in mind. I was just seeing if you oh. had. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. take it away, Carlos. Yeah, yeah. No, I just, if not, we can wrap it up and do some uh, plug-ins. Any, any thoughts, Emma? Anything you want to add or share? I don't think so. I feel like we covered a lot. I think so, too. I did cover a lot. Honestly, I'm I'm, I'm kind of good for now. Um, yeah. And I, I, I do got to say, and, and I don't mind if we include this in what ends up being produced, um, that having completed this first podcast or podcast, I think this is going to be chopped up, um, I I very much enjoyed it. I mean, this was mm-hmm. lovely. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I'm curious, yeah, Emma, if you have any thoughts on that or... I enjoyed it so much more than I thought. This yeah. actually was like my own personal little professional challenge for myself because Mm -hmm. I have a tendency of just like um that's different and I'm not familiar Mm -hmm. so I have to do my research first so this was a little bit more of a like impulsive girl just try it try your best kind of a Mm -hmm. moment uh decided to apply some of the things I tell my clients I guess (laughs) so I actually enjoyed this very much I look forward to the post-pandemic days when we can all get together and like do this in person yeah. record it in person and everything because i imagine there are probably times where i'm like breathing directly into my mic or whatever and it's kind of annoying so sorry uh, we'll see. but yeah <laughs> we might just trash the whole thing you never know uh, so yeah i actually very much enjoyed it i it felt a lot more natural than i anticipated yeah i felt that way too i felt like this, this was very natural yeah. um mm-hmm. yeah and it was funny the last quick thing i'll add and going off of that i yeah, I was definitely excited for this. I think I was probably more excited than you were, Emma. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually very confident with what we're doing with this because I think we have really good conversations, and yeah. this is the case with I think all of our providers in some way that you know we get into really good discussions, and they would make very good podcasts if they were mm-hmm. podcasts. And um, but it was for I think I had my own. I wasn't sure how you were going to react, and, I, and if you probably noticed this, like over the span of like two or three months, I was like, "Hey Emma, so like, what do you think of podcasts?" And I, I meant to follow that up. I, and, and I'm, being, I'm being like completely serious. I, I I meant to follow that up with, so yeah. So based on that, Emma, are you interested in? I never got to that point, so I think I asked you like three or four times what you thought about the podcast in general, and you're probably thinking yeah. like, "She knows it's coming." Right. Like almost like I'm trying to like ask you out or something, and like, is he going to ask me? Is he like you know? And then finally, like, I was I was going for a run recently, and I was and I was thinking about it. Again. I was like, oh yeah, we should talk to Emma because like I think you know Emma would be really interested. And as I'm as I'm like sending the message, I'm like I've sent this message to her before, and it's like, so funny. And I'm like, and I have to ask her. I have to actually ask her this time. So yep. 
I did, and here we are. <laughs> I, I don't know if that if you felt that way on your end. If it was like, like why does he keep asking me about podcasts? Like <laughs> the first time, I was just like, oh, cool, he wants to do a podcast, and he's like running the idea by me. Yeah, sounds great. Like that's cool that you're thinking of it, Tim. <laughs> awesome. And then the next few times, I was like, all right, either his like memory is going, or. <laughs> There's something more here. <laughs> and I know you're competent and you, your memory's there, so it was kind of like, yeah. he's getting there. No, that, you that notice was, how I didn't help you at all, though. I was just like, well, did. I guess I'll wait for him to ask. Yeah, and you get so excited about it, and then I would forget to ask. And part of it was just I, I was I was too busy, and part of it was my memory. But part of yeah. it was, yeah, oh. I was, I was sort of like trying to figure it out myself. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so anyway, I'm glad we were able to do this. Thank you so much. Me too. For being our co-host. And, and, um, Thank yeah. you for having me. No, of mm-hmm. course. Um, and I think one last, I keep saying one last quick thing, very much last <laughs> quick thing. Uh, we will be having guests from time to time. Um, mm-hmm. So depending on what our next topic is, which I'm going to try to figure out that out today, and Emma, we can talk more. Um, yep. We may have a, try to see if we can have a guest come on even for just you know, awesome. 10, 20 minutes. Um, and generally, I'll probably be one of our other providers, um, but mm-hmm. certainly outside people are welcome uh, to pop on too. So um, yeah. Awesome. Cool. This was fun. It was. It was fun. Um, with that being said, you can check out our Instagram at, at common sense MH and we post pretty much daily little pictures and things there. Side note, that's, that's, that's actually my mom posting, uh, when I say, we, so proud. when I say we, I, I mean the entity of common sense. <laughs> Carl's like, keep it professional. Not, not me personally. Tim's like, hi mom. <laughs> she handles some of our social media accounts and she, she posts really and good material. Yeah. Thank God she does. Cause I would not be posting as often as she does. Um, yeah, she's also, great. <laughs> she is. Yeah. We also have our website, which is common com, And if you are looking for, um, a provider, we are, um, accepting new clients. We ha- like Tim said, we do have 14 providers and one, two, three, four, five, six, eight of which are currently accepting new clients. Um, and I'll just read off their names now just sure. to kind of plug them in. Uh, we've got Ashley Whiteside, who is a, she is a LMSW. Yes. And yep. she's accepting new clients. And now all of these, uh, providers are accepting clients only via tele right now. So video and phone calls only. Um, obviously, because of the pandemic. And just a side note, any um, LMSWs are being supervised by an LCSW for mm-hmm. anyone who is listening and going, wait a minute, that's, yeah. Right. And currently, um, LSSW, LS... LMSW. MW. <laughs> um, are on CDPHP panels? Uh, so a couple of, so as you read through these, I'll tell you which ones are taking insurance okay. and which ones are not. So you've got Ashley Whiteside. Yep. So, and she can take CDPHP clients um, and self-pay. Okay. And then we have Emma who is a licensed mental health counselor mm-hmm. accepting new clients. We've got Kelly Benjamin. So I, I, and Emma can also take CDPHP um, and self-pay currently. Yes. Mm-hmm. We've got Kelly Benjamin, who is an intern under Tim. That's right. So just a side note too, not to keep going off on this. Um, so Common Sense Mental Health provides the overhead for our providers and for our practices. And so Kelly, and you're going to mention Lisa um, mm-hmm. in a moment, um, uh, yeah, so our, our, any providers that are working under, under our licenses, they're working under our practices. So Kelly works under my practice, if that makes, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so then we also have Lisa McKenzie, who also works under Tim's practice. She is a mental health counselor. Yep. Working on her license. 
Yeah. Yep. So, so she doesn't accept any insurances, just self-pay. Um, and then we have Susan Mackert, who is a... She is a uh, LCSW. LCSW. Yep. Um, she's also accepting um, CDPHP. CDPHP right now. Yep. Right now, we have Paula Carsu, who is a, another licensed mental, mental health counselor. She accepts CDPHP and... And, Be MV and Beacon, Beacon. Um, MVP, not... I'm not going to get into it. This, no, on, no, on MVP. Podcast. <laughs> no, not, not, not MVP currently. Um, but uh, yes, but, but, but she does take CDPHP uh, and Beacon and self-pay right now. Cool. And then we also have Carolyn. She's going to kill me because I never know how to pronounce her last name. Carolyn Alacqua. <laughs> I think that's correct. Yes. She is a LMSW. That's correct. Um, on CDPHP panel? Uh, yes, she can take CPHP clients. Yep. And then finally, we have Kathleen Hoffman Hart, who is a. She is a LCSWR um, badass. No, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but she, she has a lot of experience. Um, and she actually specializes in EMDR therapy. Unfortunately, um, she, that's really that's very much a sort of in person kind of therapy. So she's not offering that right now. But she is she does have open slots and she is providing psychotherapy to clients. And she is a fabulous provider. Fabulous. Yes. Yeah. Um, all of them are, but yeah. Um, I also want to plug in, I forgot, um, Monica is now accepting some clients. She, she has a couple up, open slots. Yep. She opened some, some availability and she is a LMHC. Um, Monica also writes a blog for Common Sense that you can find on our website. She's made about five or six posts now. She, I think she's um, she's put out all seven. Oh, nice. So she's finished it, the, the, what do you call it? The cycle. Based on coronavirus. Yeah, it's it's all based on COVID. Um, so is she can do more of those. She's probably is. She's, we should, she's very interested in. Well, that, that, that's, that's, we should put the pressure on her. And Monica will be doing more of these, and you can look forward to those. So yeah. now she'll feel uh -huh. the pressure to do it. Yeah. Uh -huh. So check it out on our website. Um, we also are getting a new office space in Clifton Park that sadly we will not be able to use. We actually have it and it's actually furnished <laughs> and there's this, it's not being used. We were gonna open April 1st, but that's not gonna happen. Yeah, so um, there is like, so our, our policy right now for Common Sense um, is that we are only providing tele during the, the uh, pandemic. Um, yeah, there's not more to that. I don't know why I made it sound longer than it was. Um, it is, so, so just, just while we're under this pandemic and while it's recommended by the medical community to uh, not be in person if at all possible um that's what we're doing and all of our providers fortunately have been able to pull that off and um are only providing teleservices right now um i think that's the case for a lot of private practices if not all of them at this point um yeah 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 and then just to end it i just wanted to provide a little bit of contact information for us if you want to get in contact with me directly you can contact me at intake at mh.com commonsensemh.com intake at commonsensemh.com <laughs> um, and just to give that number we were talking about for the um, emotional support line for COVID it's 1-844-863-4314 you weren't sure if that was a 4 a or a 4 or 9, nine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going to go did Tim write it down? no I did Wow, thank you for that, Emma. I appreciate it. Okay, I'm just going to repeat that appreciate number that. one more time. It's 1-844-863-9314. What did you say the first time? Did you say four? I said 4314. It's 9314. Sorry. Okay. And with that being said, thank you for having this podcast, guys. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you all for listening. Cool. Bye.